Welcome to the Nutmeg Darina podcast brought to you by The Nutmeg Assist. Um, welcome back to our all our listeners to another episode of the Nutmeg Arena podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. Uh, with three of these fixtures lined up in the next month, uh, we're here to talk about one of the biggest footballing fixtures, um, biggest fixtures in the footballing world. Um, that's been a long-lasting uh, rivalry between two big giants of the sporting world. And it's none other than the uh, El Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona. So uh, we have our guest for the night. Um, it's Shivan from Malaysia, Chris from the UK, and Yossi from Melbourne, Australia. How are you guys? Welcome to the show. I'm very well, thank you. You're doing well, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks, uh, It's good to be back in the podcast, talking something... Talking about a subject that we all love the most, which is football. Football, yes, uh, certainly. Yep. So before we start out, just a random stat, a couple of random stats that I found um, regarding the fixture. So these two teams have met, uh, played each other 273 times in total. And Barcelona leads the race with 113 wins and Real Madrid has 95 wins. But to take into account... Uh, if you don't take into account the exhibition games, then it's Real Madrid who wins it with uh, 95 games won and Barcelona are on 93. So, uh, And the latest fixture, of course, was a 1-1 draw in the first leg of the Copa del Rey. So nicely poised for the remaining two fixtures. And now we go on to our memories of this fixture. And we have a quick look at what happened during the 1-1 draw in the Copa del Rey. So, uh, Chris, Shivan and Yossi. One of the biggest fixtures um, of the footballing world. Everybody's waiting for the, uh, everybody waits for the fixture since the start of the season. They look at, one of, this is one of the most looked at fixture in the uh, footballing calendar, if you ask me, because um, I certainly do look forward to um, seeing Real Madrid versus Barcelona wherever I am. I try to watch it on TV. If not, I try to follow it on the net, uh, internet. So, um, what are your memories of the, this big fixture? How did you start following this uh, fixture? Let's have... Who wants to go first this time? Let's have Shivan. Okay, Shivan, you can go. Ahead. Okay, yeah, I will do. Um... Basically, I mean, uh, how do I got to know this fixture is uh, pretty much like every football, yes, uh, when you learn about certain, uh, certain stories about football from a particular country, of course, when you talk about Spain, the first thing always comes to mind is Real Madrid versus Barcelona. I think it is the most important fixture in Spanish football. And of course, uh, one of the biggest fixtures in the world, as you have mentioned. And... Uh, the first time that I ever got a chance to actually uh, watch this fixture live on a, a 90 minutes football was back in November 1997 because that was the first time that we had a chance to have La Liga on our television. Mm -hmm. uh, growing up in Malaysia, as many, some of you might know that you know English Premier League football is huge, is very big, and it was only towards the late 90s where things started to open up. We got you know, other leagues, especially Spanish football, Italian football. So when La Liga was available, I knew that I couldn't afford to miss this particular fixture because, you know, I've read about it so much. I, you know, I news or, uh, from magazines and all that. And this is going to be my first fixture. So if I can remember, it was uh, Real Madrid 2, Barcelona 3. Uh, I remember Raul <coughs> scored, that was super, scored a goal. If I can recall, Vivaldo was also there. Yeah, that was, that was my first ever fixture. And uh, I guess it, uh, what I, uh, it was only when Luis Figo, when he was transferred from Barcelona to Real Madrid, 
it's when I truly mm. to understand this picture a little bit more that how it's just not about what's happening on the field. It's a lot more than just football. So that's pretty much where my uh, kickoff in terms of El Clasico. Okay, that's nice. And Chris, you probably would have uh, watched it uh, before, Chris, because I think these fixtures were available to you guys over there in the UK, wasn't it? On the uh, yeah, well, it, it's it's funny really because mine's the exact same fixture, <laughs> uh, the exact same game. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, I remember it more for I had I I actually had the uh, the pleasure of actually going to the new camp in 1996 when I was 10 years of age, uh, and then just becoming sort of familiar with the uh, with Barcelona and the whole hysteria of Johan Cruyff. And a dream team, which was just coming to an end, and then that's why my fashion, uh, fascination grew uh, with the fixture. And then, obviously, Bobby Robson took over Barcelona that year. Obviously, yep. an Englishman in charge of Barcelona at the time, uh, so they got a bit more publicity um, mm. in the UK at that time. And then, that I remember that particular fixture was the first one that I ever watched. That three-two game. Um, it was Louis van Gaal's first, uh, first El Clasico for Barcelona. Uh, I think Jupp uh, Hankers was in charge of Real Madrid. And Luis Enrique scored as well. I think it was Rivaldo. I think it, uh, it got extra publicity in this country because Ronaldo had just left to join into Milan and Rivaldo had just joined Barcelona, I believe. Mm-hmm. And again, that was when Sky Sports and uh, over here sort of started uh, exploring La Liga on a weekly basis and had uh, all the weekend fixtures on. So mine's the exact same fixture. I remember just it was such a good game. It was end-to-end. It was 1-0, 1 1-0, 1-0, 2-1. It was so close until the winning goal. And it was re- and then from there, um, it just grew. <laughs> so, any standout player for you, guys, um, you in that fixture? If you remember in that in that fixture, uh, it was Lewis Enrique. Uh, there was a there, there was a bit of a thing. Of, obviously, when Lewis Figo went to uh, done the transfer, it was sort of worldwide, and uh, the hysteria surrounding it, and the amount of abuse he got from the Barcelona fans, uh, yeah, was sort of exceptional. But there's actually been plenty of players before that. That done it, and Luis Enrique was sort of a, a a lower profile version of that. And his goal in that game, um, I, I remember just sort of watching the goal. He sort of scored, uh, scored from outside the box. Hmm. I remember just being sort of the, the the way he positioned himself as a player. He could sort of play anywhere on the pitch. He could play as a striker. He could play on the wing. He could play centre midfield. He, he actually could play fullback as well. So. For me, he was a standout player in that particular game. An old-fashioned James Milner, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Slightly better, though. Ah, oh, Hammers Milner, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Yossi, your memories? So, I'm, I'm a bit uh, younger than the rest of the boys, so I'm not going back to the 90s <laughs> for this. Um but my memory was sort of started, and it, it's not starting with the Classico, but it's starting from the 2002 World Cup when um, England versus Brazil, Ronaldinho, free kick, 30 yards, straight over seaman in the top corner. Um, and from then on, I had a bit of a fascination with Ronaldinho. And I was watching Premier League mostly, and then when he moved to Barcelona, I think in 2003-04 season, um, I started watching a bit more vividly, and the, the first El Clasico that I remember like super distinctly was uh, the standing ovation Ronaldinho got from the Real Madrid yeah. fans in 2005, and just the I, I suppose the goals he scored, and just the way he sort of I guess transformed that Barcelona team. Not that it was a bad team, but Real Madrid were definitely the dominant team of that era, like Galacticos yeah. and. Uh, Barcelona, like Rivaldo and all that, it's like started late, like they've left and they're rebuilding. And Ronaldinho sort of like took the mantle and became that player. And yeah, that was the first classical experience and the way he just dominated that game. And 
somehow overturned that hatred in the sense that like Real Madrid would ever acknowledge a good Barcelona player and vice versa, not like the Messi-Ronaldo thing where my player is better than yours. Everyone just appreciated Ronaldinho for who he was. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's my first one. Even off the pitch, he's a nice guy. So, oh, he did a couple of yeah. things, but he always had a smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, mine, mine is something similar to what Yossi said because uh, it's actually combined combination of what Yossi said and Kevin said because uh, I mean the scenario because for me in India as well we didn't have the. Uh, uh, the matches uh, broadcasted on the TV until early 2000. So, uh, like I said in the beginning, I mean, I mean in our early podcast that uh, I'm an Arsenal fan. Although I was an Arsenal fan, um, I am an Arsenal fan. So um, my favorite player was um, David Beckham. So it's, it's, it's might some people might find it um, weird because Beckham's my favorite player, and I, I support Arsenal. So. Um, when Beckham moved to uh, Real Madrid in 2003, that's when I really started following the La Liga. So I used to follow the Premier League before, but um, once the broadcasting rights came to India and then once La Liga was started to be broadcasted, and then I saw David Beckham go to Real Madrid, uh, that's when I actually started following La Liga, like I said. And then that that year, the first fixture, I think, was in towards the uh, end of the first half, like towards the end of, I think, November or early December, something like that. That's when Barcelona played Real Madrid, and I think it was 2-1 to Real Madrid, uh, where Ronaldo scored. Who else scored? I don't remember. Let me see. Um, I think Roberto Carlos scored, yeah, and Ronaldo scored. I don't remember who scored for Barcelona, though. So that's how my memory of the, um, my following, fan following of this fixture started. Although um, it's a bit different from the usual thing because it's not a team that I support. I mean, I never used to watch them before, uh, although I've heard about them, but it was, it was like a weird kind of a fixture for me. Just because Beckham was there, I just watched, started watching the match. So, <laughs> but now it's like a properly watched match for me. Because I know, like the what that fixed the hold and the players in both the teams. It's really I look I really look forward something that I really look forward to every season. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and over the years, I think this fixture, like like you said um, at the time, uh, early two thousand, I think Real Madrid was the the main team. They were the teams to beat. When they had that uh, Galacticos and all those people there, all the players there, then it slowly started shifting towards Barcelona's favor. Um, I think towards the end of, or towards yeah, towards 2010, 2008, yeah, 2009. Yeah, when just before Guardiola came in, you know, mm-hmm. when Clive was the yeah manager, that's when it, the momentum started shifting the other way. Yeah, so, uh, it's it's. It's very much a fixture, though, that sw- sort of swings and uh, roundabouts, isn't it? It's always, because of the way La Liga's set up, mm. there's always one dominant team. The fixture itself is always competitive, but you yep. always tend to get Barcelona that dominate for a couple of years, then Real Madrid dominate for a couple of years. And uh, yeah. the fixture itself sort of, it goes with that, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yep. But I would agree, I would... I would certainly agree. The turn of the century and the the Galactico period, for mm. me, is when it sort of caught the world's interest. And I, yeah. I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that. I don't want to that sound like that. That was when the fixture became what it was. The fixture has always been what it was because of the rivalry between the cultures, the cities, the players on the pitch. But I think once that, from a footballing point of view, and once it. The money got involved. It was, it was that galactical period when I believe it became, at its very, uh, it, it hit its pinnacle, so to speak, as a rivalry, yeah. and it caught the world's interest. Mm. I think because the the arrival of the internet, you know, giving access to people to watch through live streaming, also kind of enhanced yeah. the fixtures. Uh, how do I say reputation in in the eyes of football? 
Oh yeah, it was. I think it was. I would agree with you. The, definitely, the, the year two thousand was a really turning point for this fixture. Where, of course, it was always been more than a football even before that. But I think now it it's sort of like yeah. even people out of speed. You know, now it seems like you can see Barcelona fans from all over the world. You know, uh, so politically into what's happening in in Catalonia, and same goes for what's happening in in Madrid as well. Mm. Yeah. So I've got a question for everyone. Mm-hmm. Given, yeah, that's <laughs> just on the thought that Chris said that, like in like three or four years, spells maybe a bit longer. Like one team tends to dominate, right? Yep. In the last four or five years, although Real Madrid have won three Champions Leagues, they—I don't think they've won a league maybe once. So who would you say is the dominant yeah. team now? Well, that's well, a good I question. Depends how you look at it. You if look... you're talking about domestic, I would say it's Barcelona. Uh, if you're talking about continental, then I would say it's Real Madrid. That's mm. pretty much the easier way for me to address that question. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the fence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You have to agree with what Chivin said, isn't it? Because four Champions League is no, uh, no small feat. It's oh, yeah. yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Um, I don't know. Look, I mean, as uh, league runs, it's been really good, really impressive because I think they won oh, how many out of the last 10 years? I think seven? Seven of the last 10? Or Barca? Yeah. Um, I think they won six or seven of the last 10. Uh, I, don't, I think they've won 10 of the last 20. I can tell you that. Yeah, because hmm. I know, I, I remember Real Madrid has won. One of it in between, then there was Atletico Madrid who won it. I can't remember if Real Madrid won another one in that this time time frame. Last so, ten, I think there was once they won it under Jose Mourinho, yeah, and once under that's pretty yeah. much I think it is. Yeah, yeah, it's so, something like that. Yeah, so like Steven said, if it's if you look at it in a domestic manner, then you have to go with Barcelona. It's a continental European thing, then you'll have to probably give it to Real Madrid. Because there's actually, like I said in the stat before, it's 95 to 93 if you compare the uh, competitive matches. And the, if you look at the number of titles both the teams have won, it's 90 apiece. <laughs> so you can't really say that uh, there have been periods, like Chris said, two years, three years, four years. But then it's been swinging all the way, like here and there, always. Yeah. Well, I I feel at the moment, but both clubs off the field are sort of in transition. Yeah. Uh, the sort of the lacking a bit of direction uh, of where they're going um, as clubs. I think on the pitch they're no longer the dominant force in Europe that they once were. They'll always be be able to attract the big players, uh, but I, I just feel that both clubs off the pitch at the moment. Uh, a lack in that direction, but I feel that is making it more entertaining on the pitch because I think this is probably the first time this period of say maybe last year, the year before, and coming into this season, you've got no idea who's going to win the fixture. Hmm. Yeah, it's a fair uh, point. Yeah, and I think head to head in the individual games. Uh, from a from a neutral's perspective, that makes it a lot more entertaining. In terms of just to answer Yossi's question, I feel that I would probably say Barcelona. Why? Just because I think head to head, it'll be interesting to see the stats uh, over the last five six years. I seem to them remember. Seems that they've won more fixtures, and they've dominated domestically as well. Hmm. Uh, well. So, yeah, Barcelona, um, Real Madrid have won more Champions Leagues, but they've never played Barcelona in the Champions League. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, so, so I, I would argue that Barcelona at the moment, uh, over that period of time that we're talking about, are probably the, uh, the, the more dominant team. Mm. You, yeah. You're going by the rivalry, right? What, sorry? You're going by the, just the rivalry between the two teams and then... Yeah, yeah, ju- yeah, just between the two teams. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, when I say Barcelona do- dominating uh, again, they're not dominated. 
Europe in the way that they, they have done previously. I just mean, head-to-head, they, they were probably uh, the better team at the moment. Okay. So, um, like we said, it's 90 uh, trophies apiece for both both the clubs. So, some, some of it, um, Real Madrid has more, like the league titles, Real Madrid has more. Champions League, Real Madrid is more. The Copa del Rey is more for Barcelona. So, 90 apiece. And you look at the uh, most recent fixture that happened on 6th of February. That's like a couple of days back. Um, what did you think, um, which, which team was the dominant one? And what did you think of uh, both the team's performances? Go this time. All right, let's start with Yossi here. Ah, uh, fair enough. Um, so the game, in my eyes, was relatively balanced. I mean, I think shots were eleven apiece. One, of, I think Barca had three on target, Real had two on target, um, and it looked like it, they're sort of saving the energy for the second leg. I uh, didn't want to go all guns blazing. Obviously, Barca rested Messi for the majority of the game, and. Real didn't use Bale, although he's not really in favour. Um, so I think I think more is to come in the second leg. But in terms of which team deserved it, I think one was probably the fairest result you can give, give or at least a draw. Um, especially because like neither team's probably performing that amazingly or at their peak. Um, Real Madrid got the defensive issues or just all round issues, um, especially not like replacing Ronaldo or like the goals he's scoring. And Barca's defense has never been solid enough, and Coutinho has been given a lot of stick recently. And I don't think they've fully decided on their front three, other than Suarez and Messi. Like, who's that third? Is it Malcolm? Is it Coutinho? Is it Dembele? And they're switching it up a bit, and they haven't really hit that what the number on the head in a sense. Um, so yeah, pretty balanced, and really curious about the second leg. Um, but I think I don't know. I think Barca's got the advantage just personally. Even though they're playing at Bernabeu, the second leg? Yeah, I mean, resting Messi. If they put Messi on for 90 minutes, I reckon it might change the game quite a bit. Yeah, it should change. Because if it was Ronaldo and Messi on either team, I would probably say still in the balance, anybody can win it. But yeah, yeah like you said, if you, if you put him on from the start, probably they might have an advantage. What do, we, what do you think? Um, let's go with Chivin now. Well, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but um, uh, I was hearing a lot of praise for Malcolm. Apparently, a lot of Barcelona fans are saying that this was that was one of his best ever game in a Barcelona. Yeah, I, for a long time, I've been hearing a lot of negative uh, critics about him, but he seemed to have a wonderful game. Yeah, because I, like like you said, even I couldn't watch the whole thing. I I watched only the first half, but uh, whatever I watched, um, Malcolm was creating. Malcolm and Samira were creating a lot of trouble for Real Madrid on that right side. And because Real Madrid were actually playing a high-pressing game, they actually, if you, if you go only by the first half, they probably should have uh, been at least two or three goals ahead. Because they they had clear chances, which on another day, probably they would have scored. So, But Barcelona were very lucky to be 1-0 uh, at halftime and then go on and score Malcolm. And like you said, Malcolm was really good that day. He was creating stuff. He was doing all the cool stuff there on the right side, creating a lot of trouble. And eventually, he scored. He got his reward. He scored, going to the second leg one-one. But yeah, I thought that um, the first half maybe, if the way Real Madrid were pressing the defense line of Barcelona, I thought they might get one more before halftime. But they did it. So, Chris, yours, uh, your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I didn't. Wa- I didn't watch the game live. I watched it the next day uh, on repeat. Uh, I thought it was it was quite an intriguing fixture. Uh, looking at the starting lineups, uh, the bo- both managers seemed to uh, rest a few players, uh, and it looked like a bit of a change in formation as well uh, from Barcelona's point of view. But yeah, I thought I thought when I watched the game, uh, it went exactly as planned for me, given the given the lineups and given the midweek fixture. Don't know. Uh, Barcelona might have had one eye on the, this weekend's fixture. 
Um, mm. And I think both both clubs had uh, an eye on the Champions League fixtures coming up. But I know Barcelona they seem to dominate possession without really penetrating uh, Real Madrid at all. I thought Real Madrid. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by them, given the difficulties since Solari took over. Uh, it's the first time I've watched them since since December, uh, and they seem to be very much improved. Uh, created a few chances. Looked to have a bit more of an identity uh, and an idea of what they were doing on the pitch. Um, It'll be it'll be very interesting to see how serious both teams take the next leg, given of when it, given the timing of it, um, and and like I said, whether Messi plays for Barcelona for the full ninety minutes, uh, or whether whether they rest them again, um, I'm going to disagree with uh, Yossi slightly. I, I I believe it's going to fall in round. I I think Real Madrid have got the advantage at the moment. Yeah, even, I mean. Uh... Uh, what Yossi said uh, was, uh, if Messi plays the whole ninety, there is a chance. But uh, you got to give it to Chris as well because, um, like you said, it, it's my only concern is the second leg is played at uh, Bernabeu. So yeah, yeah, going into that fixture, if Real Madrid does put in their first team, and even if Messi plays. Uh, you've got to give Real Madrid a chance as well. You know, you have to yeah. play well, home game, and they yeah. they might take it seriously because um, then I don't think they might win the league this year as well. Because uh, well, yeah, exactly. That was that was the point I, I was going to bring up. Just because I know so, uh, everything coming out the Real Madrid camp at the moment is that they still feel that they can win that league title. I think it will take a uh, a bit of a collapse from Barcelona point now uh, to lose the league. Yeah. So I, I believe Real Madrid. I don't make them favourites for the Champions League at all. So this this could be a this could be the Solari's point of keeping his job. Mm. Win this uh, Copa del Rey. Yeah. Actually, and, uh, and just to add a few more. Um, judging from what I saw, the the Real Madrid game against Atletico, it seems like if things are falling to place for Solari at the right time. Uh, mm. So yeah, I would yeah. I would think that Real Madrid. Slightly, you know, they have a certain edge going into that second leg against Barcelona. Mm-hmm. I should yeah. probably preface my point saying that if Messi were to play the ninety minutes, I think Barcelona would be yeah. favourites. Otherwise, it's a balanced game. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair. Yeah, that, that's, fair. I didn't. I didn't get that across well enough. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 That's fine. That's understandable. Yes. Yeah, so, um, is. Real Madrid, uh, this, this is a simple question, but um, they've lost Ronaldo, yeah? So he, they've lost his uh, 50 goals yeah, in one season. So um, have Real Madrid uh, addressed that? Have they found um, a way to cover up for that those 50 goals that they're missing? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um yeah, you can't expect fifty yeah, goals like Messi and Ronaldo, but uh, like, is yeah. there something in that team that can drive them through to the uh, next level of every competition? I think it's a lot. It's it's not just about what happens on the field and what Ronaldo does, but overall everything that that comes with him in a package. That's something mm-hmm. that I think uh, you know Florentino Perez will need to address this summer because, as you know, ever since he took over as president of Real Madrid. He didn't want to just make Real Madrid the biggest club on the pitch. He also wanted to make them as dominant even off the pitch as well. And mm. if you go back to 2003, one of the reasons that why he wanted to sign David Beckham was the fact that mm. Beckham had this mass marketing appeal, especially in Asia, where he was really, really obsessed of trying to replace every single Manchester United signboard with Real Madrid. So mm. I think he still has it in him. And I don't think currently right now, if you look at what Real Madrid in terms of their football players can offer, they don't really have that package that what Ronaldo brings. So, mm. I don't know. Um, if if I remember, there's been a lot of sort of rumors saying that that one of the reasons that Neymar left Barcelona was to find a back door to Real Madrid. You might not know. That could happen this summer. Yeah, it, it could happen. You never know. Like, these things, if, if the money is put in place, you never know what is happening. <laughs> It's, it's that kind of uh, uh, a 
thing in football nowadays because if the money's right, the contract's right, the player, you, you, you probably won't be looking at, okay, Real Madrid, what, how will that affect me? I played in Barcelona. Nowadays, it's players, that I don't think, there are players who are loyal, but I don't think that uh, uh, Neymar or whoever it is, maybe Hazard, I don't think they just, yeah. I don't think that bothers them. I I actually think the Ronaldo sale was good timing for the club. Um, again, uh, bringing up that point that has just been made, uh, it's what Real Madrid do off the fi- off the field uh, that will uh, determine what happens next. Getting rid of Ronaldo in the summer, I think, uh, was the right decision. And I know people might go up in arms about that and say, oh my God, I mean, don't get me wrong, you're talking about one of the greatest players of all time and replacing his goals. But off the field, uh, I, th- I think moving the, moving the club forward tactically, I think, I think Real Madrid's problems are a lot deeper than just replacing Ronaldo. I believe uh, the manager situation in the summer uh, has, made, has made that Ronaldo sale uh, stick out a lot more. Uh, obviously, appointing uh, the Span- uh, Lopentinegi and uh, on the back of Zidane, and then it not working out for him, and then having to replace him with Solari, um, and the, the no identity on the pitch that that has made that signing a, a lot. Uh, oh, sorry, that that sale a lot a lot worse than what it what it should have been. I actually think the timing of the sale was brilliant. They could have looked at it from a point of view that like, well, let's take one step back to make move two steps forward. And brought other players and made it more of a team, and and give the club an identity on the pitch and appointed the right manager. And they, I I think he would have excelled from that point. But because they they sold Ronaldo and then Zidane left, and hmm. as always, uh, throughout the chairman's uh, Perez's tenure, they just always make this the wrong decision with the managers, and it's gone it's gone massively wrong from that point of view. Yes. Same thing with uh, Barcelona. Do you think uh, they can find somebody to replace Messi? Because he's well, in his th- I think he's 32 now. Probably. Yeah. He's done. Yeah. yeah, again, it, 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 it's that sort of... Going back to the Ronaldo points, Real Madrid have made that decision now to get... So that mm. now gives them a chance to move forward, I feel, as a club. Again, it, what they do off the field will have a big say on that because they could sort of start a, they could start building now for the next five to ten years if they had some intelligence, uh, run, uh, football intelligence running the club. Now, because Barcelona have yet to make that decision, no matter what happens now, whilst Messi's at Barcelona, the team will always be built around Messi, and rightfully so. We're talking about the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but then when a manager comes in who, what manager in the right mind is going to take Messi out of that starting eleven and say right now you're now going to start playing a bit part player or the team's not, I'm, I'm going to bring someone else and build the team around that player it's not going to happen so I just feel what is happening at Barcelona now they will never excel to the levels that they have done say under mm. Pep Guardiola or even Luis Enrique until that sort of, until me, until Messi's completely out the picture. Hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement with Chris in that it was probably the time to sell Ronaldo from a fiscal point of view, just because getting on and they're not going to have the same sort of resale value in any other transfer window after, and like it's, they're not going to be able to replace his goals, so they are going to try spread it out a bit. And the signings of. Um, yeah. Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo sort of like indicate they're trying to build towards the future somehow. Um, whether those signings will be successful, time will tell. But they've got a massive problem in their squad coming up and the fact that Benzema's getting on, Modric is getting on, Cruz is getting on, Ramos is getting on, Masolo's already starting to slow down. They've got to focus on the rebuild now and they're probably in terms of like the cycle of life, they're further on in terms of needing to be rebuilt and already accepting that, whereas Barca are sort of like getting towards that stage where they got, it's going to hit that point where they have to start and they haven't hit that yet. Yeah. 
but even if you look at Barcelona squad, they they have a lot of young players there. Okay, Messi probably another two or three years there, minimum. And uh, you look at who else? Uh, Gerard Suarez, Suarez, Piqué, Rakitic, Busquets. Yeah, four of them. Yeah, but you look at the squad. They have Malcolm Dembele, uh, Coutinho. Mm. Then they signed De Jong now. Um, Arta. Yeah. The guy, Arta in the midfield, mm. he's good. Yeah, but it's sort of. Okay. It's no, yeah, it's no. Sorry, go on. Yeah, so, so like I said, uh, Barcelona do have good young talent in their squad if you look at them now. Um, so, um, I think if you ask me, in my opinion, uh, they have started their rebuilding as well. Um, maybe uh, t- only time will tell how they're planning for life after Messi, but. Uh, just like how Real Madrid have done with Ronaldo, um, I do think that even Barcelona are like on terms with, if not ahead, at least on terms with uh, their rebuilding. Yeah, I believe I believe uh, those players. What you pointed out, uh, absolutely, uh, the young players are there with Barcelona. I think Barcelona's issue though is slightly different to Real Madrid. Real Madrid seems uh, main issues seem to come from off the field. As where Barcelona's uh, problems seem to come on on the field, um, they have one way of playing Barcelona. As where those young players that you've just said um, will take the club, will take the club on, but they will also take the club down a difficult, t- a different uh, tactical identity. It won't be Tikataka with those players, mm-hmm. and I think that's what that's what Barcelona maybe and not I've got to address or got to change. Um, that that generation of Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, the Tikka Taka style under Guardiola, that was fantastic. Probably the world's great, one of the certainly the greatest team uh, that I've seen. But that can't be repeated with these players, and they seem to be clinging on to that generation uh, or that that style a little bit too much. They've got all the players here to take the club forward. It's having the right manager or having the manager who has got the the audacity, so to speak, to come in and say, right, well, we're not going to play the Tikka style. We might play a, a high-press a high and direct style uh, that might be different to what we link Barcelona with. Uh, and hopefully the board and the club itself can follow that manager's route. And I think those plays that you said can certainly shine, but it's whether, it's whether they're allowed to shine, whether a manager's allowed to come in and adapt a style to suit those players. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 The off the pitch uh, stuff that happened with Real Madrid over the summer, and I felt uh, they should have at least waited till uh, been getting knocked out from the World Cup, or because the way they announced the managerial situation and all those stuff, I felt was a bit disrespectful for the uh, Spanish team towards the Spanish team because they Spain yeah. is not. Good. Uh, I mean, Spain's not a bad team. They're a really, really good team. You look at their first team and the bench strength that they have. Uh, so just a day before Spain's opening game, and that too against Portugal. So um, I thought that, that was not the right time to uh, announce the manager. And moreover, you you have just lost Ronaldo, one of the best players of all time. You've lost 50 goals from him. You've uh, you've just lost the manager. You've just lost the manager who's just uh, won you the Champions League twice in a row, and uh, I feel that they could have at least waited. And even if they gave the chance to uh, the Spain coach, what's his name, Lopetegui, yeah, uh, they they should have maybe given him some more time. Um, so I think all this trans translated onto the pitch as well. Because they started off the season really bad, but now they're slowly coming back. But yeah. look at the first few months; it, it was not as good as what they would have liked for a life after Ronaldo. Yeah, a lot of off-field things happening as well for Real Madrid. And okay, so now moving on, we'll just uh, look at uh, the f- best teams that we have had uh, over the years. So. Um, which team of the Barcelona era, um, like maybe last 20 years or so, 
20, 25 years or so, um, do you think was the best team? Let me go through. Now, Barcelona. So, so, sorry, what was that? Uh, Barcelona's best team over the last 20 years? Yeah, 20, 25, maybe 30 years. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the 2011 team. The Guardiola one? Yeah, the, uh, the, the Guardiola one. That, the one that beat Real Madrid 5-0 when it was Guardiola versus Mourinho. Yep. Uh, that year. Uh, that, that was the best... For me, that, that is the best club team ever. Okay. And for you and uh, for Chris... Uh, sorry, for Shivan and Yossi? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm in complete agreement. I, I can't think of... I mean, obviously, there have been fantastic Barcelona teams throughout those 20 years, but that's the standout. The fact... Dominating the league, Champions League, treble, and made their rivals look fairly average. It says enough. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with everyone here. I mean, uh, the team that was assembled by Pep Guardiola, it was, I think it was the zenith peak of what club football should be about. It wasn't just about signing your big names, but molding them with your clubs, uh, you know, La Masia, DNAs, and all that. I mean, it was like sort of like the most ideal football club ever that had the best of both, yeah. you know, abroad and, uh, you know, what I, how pretty sweet, locally, uh, within the Barcelona identity, Jose, that was the zenith peak of club football. Yeah. And looking I, at Real Madrid, I was gonna, okay, let's go ahead and then we'll look at Real Madrid, yeah. Oh, all right, yeah, my apologies. I was going to say, the reason I, I, I chose the... 2011 team as opposed to the 2008 team as well is probably because of the Real Madrid rivalry. Um, in 2008, um, when or it might have been 2009, my apologies, uh, when they won everything Barcelona under Guardiola's first full season in charge and they won the six trophies in the calendar year and he beat yep. Real Madrid 6-2 towards the end of the season. And it was like the start of a, a, something great. But Real Madrid at the time, I believe, I think yeah, uh, Ramos was in charge. I think, he'd, uh, I, think he, I think he was the third manager of that season. So, uh, obviously, that was a great team. That was a great team. Even though they want the 2011 one, even though people will always say, well, Xavi, Iniesta and Messi were all still in it. It was actually a slightly different team. Um, uh, David Villa, uh, Villa coming to the... Uh, team as well and the fact that Mourinho took over Real Madrid which was an actual very very good Real Madrid team yeah uh, like like the point like the points have just been raised it seems to just tick all boxes they won the Champions League Guardiola beat Mourinho they not only beat them they made a very good team look very average uh, that year the 2010-2011 season for me that it, like it just ticked all boxes it had everything that team just had everything right through the club. So I think uh, we're all in agreement with uh, Barcelona's best team over the last yeah. 25 years. Yeah, definitely. And uh, look, let's have a look at Real Madrid. I think that has a bit more, uh, it's a bit more challenging than Barcelona. We have a lot of good teams there. Because the, the current team, uh, almost all of them have won the Champions League three times in a row. Most of them have won it four times, maybe one before Barcelona won it. 2014 and 15, Barcelona won it. 16, 17, 18, um, the current team has won. Then you look at the Mourinho team there and you have the Galacticos there. Uh, so which Real Madrid team would you guys as the best one over the last 25, 30? Shivan? Okay, I'll go first. Um... I'm going to go for something more classic. I think I like the team that was assembled by Vicente Del Bosque during his first season in charge because there wasn't really outstanding big names. I think the biggest name at the time they had was probably Raul and what else and the other players. I mean, they were not really superstars, but they were class in their own right. And, you know, there wasn't really... There was a Real Madrid that was still, I would say, run as a football club rather than a club that was interested in buying big names just to sell uh, shirts and all that. You know, you had players like Fernando Morientes, Fernando Redondo, one of the best midfielders I've seen. Had, yeah. I mean, Carlos was there, Salgado, Aitor Carranca, and 
uh, I can't remember, Steve McManaman was there as well. So oh, yeah, I would, look, I would look at that team as probably the best Real Madrid side that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And Chris? Yeah, it's such a difficult question with Real Madrid uh, because they're a team that you associate with great individuals rather than a great team. Uh, and it's a team that they, one year they can be great. They, in, it, it is. It's a. It's such a good question that you're asking uh, when you, when you go into it because they can be great in the Champions League but really poor in the league. Uh, but I would have to agree that the the, the Del Bosque team, uh, the first one, uh, like I said, was was a team uh, full of really uh, really talented players, but not the profiles of the the, uh, the Galacticos ones. But I would probably mm -hmm. say the one just just after that. Just after that first team, um, when it had Makaleli in it, it had uh, Ronaldo, Figo, yep. uh, and Zidane in it. Uh, uh, that team it, uh, within itself just had everything from back to front. It had goals. It had it was solid defensively. It had flair players. Just before the signing of David Beckham, that that team for me w was the best Real Madrid team. That okay, and you'll see. So, um, being the, I guess, baby of the group, that sort of era isn't as prevalent to me. So, I'm going to go with something a little bit more recent. Um, and I'm probably going to, I'm, I'm trying to toss up between two, but I think for me, the first year of Zidane's reign in recent memory for me um, is probably, I think, off the top of my head, that was the 2015 2016 season against Atletico when they won on penalties. If I'm correctly saying that, um, I I think that is the best of the recent ones personally because Real Madrid have never been good at winning the Champions League and also winning the league. It's usually yeah. been sacrificing one for the other, and that year sort of felt like the year that they were saying, "Okay, we're not going to try to do both. We're binning one off and putting all our efforts in one, rather than just oh, we happen to do well well in one." In my opinion, I could be actually yeah. wrong in saying that. Um, but so I feel like they put their goal into one basket and they went for it and they were successful. And that's why I think that was the best. Cause that was the, like the major objective for them. Um, also it was just, I feel like people like Modric and players of that ilk and Marcelo were always sort of like as quality players, but those were the years when they sort of like did more than what they were thought they could do. In the sense that Modric only won the Ballon d'Or now, but he was, I think, at his best then, to be honest. Um, so that's in recent years what, what the Real Madrid team, I think, is best. But I do agree that it is a much tougher decision compared to Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so for me, uh, I would probably pick the uh, Galacticos because in the, st at the start of the show, I did say that I started following uh, this fixture and these teams... Uh, especially when David Beckham came into the team. So, yeah, I'd probably go with, as a team, I would probably pick that team. Although they've not won as much as the current team in regards to the league titles and the uh, Copa del Rey or Champions League. But I would probably pick that as my uh, best real match team over the last few years. Yeah, if... if if I was around like that time watching football as avidly as you guys were, I'd probably be in agreement about to be honest, just judging by the names alone. Yeah, yeah because uh, that, that team had, like you guys said, uh, like Chris and Shivan uh, already mentioned, it, the team that was there just before David Beckham came, I think that was the 2-2-1-2 two two, two season or 2-2-3 two two season. Something like that. Yeah, the, t the team that beat Leverkusen uh, in the Champions yeah. League final that, that, yeah, the that season. Yeah. Uh, that, it, that era just seemed to maybe I, I think maybe it was something to do with my age as well at that time I was sort of a teenager at that time mm -hmm. and everything, everything uh, regarding Real Madrid was sort of highly publicised and, and the money that they were spending that was sort of unheard of the, the amount of money that they were spending on players and they just seemed to be buying all these big players I actually thought Del Bosque had done really well to actually create a team given the mm -hmm. uh, given the types of players that he had but yeah, I also want to. It's it's. I also want to make a shout. One one of the the best Real Madrid teams I actually seen uh, was one that actually never won a trophy. 
<laughs> as, uh, as, as, as strange as that sounds, but Manuel uh, Pellegrini's Real Madrid team, yep, uh, that was up against Guardiola's. Uh, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but they finished second on 90 odd points. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, it might have uh, it might have been Ronaldo's first season there at the club, or, or maybe second, and yeah. it it was. A really, really entertaining team to watch. They really went all out. They scored some goals, but obviously they were just up against a, a, a team that had was just better than them in the end. But it was really that, that was a really, really good team to watch. Hmm. It's funny how uh, Mourinho actually went against Guardiola, uh, but still uh, Mourinho's team, I think, holds the record still for the most points and most goals scored, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the new Real Madrid team. <laughs> so, uh, we actually did a podcast. So for all our listeners, we actually had a podcast on uh, Mourinho's birthday, and we have discussed a few things about Real Madrid and all stuff about Mourinho. Go check that out as well. Um, all right, so um, moving on to the next one. Um, a quick, like we said, we have a couple more fixtures uh, coming up. The El Clasico is coming up in the next few weeks. So, uh, with the first leg, boys at 1-1, um, what do you guys think for the second leg? Let's just get a quick prediction. Just a prediction, no explanation. Just predictions, that's it. So, there's one, one more uh, leg of the Copa del Rey coming up at the uh, Santiago Bernabeu, Real Madrid's home, and then there's the league match coming up. So, um, what do you guys think? Just give you predictions for, and just say which match you're predicting for. Is it the league or the cup? Do you want us to do both? Yep, because we have like two coming up in two, two or three weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. Three weeks, two yeah. Um, yes, quick prediction for Copa del Rey. I reckon it'll be a 2 1 win to Barca. And in terms of the league, it's early days, depends on injuries and all that. But if I had to take a punt, um, uh, I think it's going to be a reverse and say 2 1 Madrid. Okay, Chris. I'm going to go 2 1 Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey. And I'm going to go for a score draw in the league fixture. 1 0, maybe 2 0. Okay. And Shivan, your prediction? Well, I think, uh, you know, Chalari definitely doesn't want to end, end the season empty handed. So I think, you know, there's a lot of motivation going to that Copa del Rey mm. fixture. So I think Real Madrid will win there, probably 2 1. Mm. In the La Liga fixture, I think it's going to be. Probably Barcelona 1-0. Okay. All right. So there, those are the predictions, you guys. Um, and we will be releasing one more, the second part of this uh, El Clasico special where we look at the games and review a bit about the games and the players uh, and how they have done in their other competitions as well. So um, we'll have a look that in our part two uh, which will be coming up mostly next week or maybe after the uh, third game so uh, but it's, it's soon so uh, get get a hold of part one which is this one and then um, uh, be stay tuned for the second part which will be released uh, in a few weeks time uh, all right thank you to Chris Yossi and Shivan for being wonderful guests tonight on the show um, we had some really good insights about, uh, I think this is, uh, we, we are like um, 10 years apart from your seat to Chris, uh, sorry, your seat to Shivin, more than 10, I guess, maybe 15. <laughs> so it's, it was good to discuss um, uh, two ends of the rivalry, no? most recent one. Um, you know, I, have, I have a question to everybody. Okay. Yep. Um, in, your, in the entire history, let's say we talk about uh, between Real Madrid and Barcelona, who do you think is the most unsung player that has featured in this in this particular fixture that is always seems to be underrated all the time? Ooh, good question there. Oh. Cool. Let me just have a think. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a thinker. I got a name. I got, I got a name in my head right now, but I want to hear from you guys. Oh wow! Do you, do you want to go first then? Because um, it's going to take me a while to generate a solid yeah. response to that. It's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a question with so many uh, open answers to it. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. I'll mention which player I'm talking about. I'm talking about Claude Makalele. Oh, damn, no, damn it. He <laughs> <laughs> was absolutely crucial to Real Madrid when he was there. I think, I think he was he was really the, the you know of course when you talk about the Galacticos team going forward mm-hmm. there were there was plenty of options but when they moved back he was the one guy that kept things all together at the back. Yep. Can't. Yeah. Can't. <laughs> Cannot say no to yeah, that. It's hard. It's hard to beat that. Um, I think in terms of unsung, I'm gonna go because partly because of longevity and also because in the Classico, yeah, he's a bit of a shit house and you kind of need it. Um, is uh, Sergio Busquets um, keeps the team moving, always gives you that solid performance. He never, he'll never score you that spectacular goal or be like giving the goal line clearance that often. But he just makes the team function. And if you need that cheeky like yellow card, pull someone down starts a fight, you know, he'll, he'll do that for you each and every time. And he j- it never gets noticed by anyone who football regularly. Um, so, yeah, that, I'm going to have to say Biscuits, partly because McAuley was taken, but yeah. Okay. And Chris, yours? Do I have to just give one player here? Because I've got about five in my head. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Right, well, I'm, I'm going to come at it from a completely different angle here. Um, okay, so... My answer is going to be slightly, slightly different in terms of um, the most underrated player uh, mm-hmm. is not necessarily the most underrated player. It's probably what he done uh, in this fixture goes often unnoticed mm-hmm. uh, yep. compared to say uh, Messi and Ronaldo. What Messi and Ronaldo this fixture has in over the last ten years has been always been Messi versus Ronaldo. Uh, That's true. So I'm actually. Yeah, I'm actually going to say Ronaldinho. Uh, oh. And now to label to, to label Ronaldinho as an uh, underrated player seems complete madness, considering <laughs> that he's probably one of the most talented players to ever uh, play in the fixture. But what he'd mm. done in that time period, in these games uh, specifically, often goes unnoticed compared to, say, the last five, ten years and what Messi's done or what Ronaldo's done or what Xavi's done or what Iniesta's done. Yep. And f- for me... It, he probably he probably single-handedly took that Barcelona team ahead of, he probably finished the uh, the Glasgow team mm. yeah he took Barcelona to, to a new level mm. so yeah he, I think Ronaldinho's importance can't be undervalued I wouldn't call him yeah. most underrated I'd probably call him the most influential yeah but do you not do you not feel that what he done at Barcelona, probably because, probably because of Messi, I think what 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 he done for the club on the pitch in that period just seems to be forgotten. Yeah, it, look, it does a bit, and he is a bit underrated. Yeah. I do agree, but yeah, I, I still think most people would see him as just like an absolute quality player. Like, like yeah. if you're a person who doesn't know football at that time and you say who Ronaldinho is, they'll probably know who he is and know what he did yeah. to an extent. If you put someone yeah. like Makaleli, people are like, who the hell is Makaleli? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, no, my, that's my yeah. No, I think it's a really strong point. And he's not valued yeah. as highly as he should be. He's still valued quite highly. Yeah. Hmm. I think what, uh, what he's done in, in that more. In these Chris, games, yeah, in your head. <laughs> uh-huh. you no, go on. Sorry, you, you said um, you have five names lined up. Yeah, I have, I have about five five players. I think Gerard Piquet as well. Yeah, always mm. seem to uh, always in this again in this particular fixture always seem to raise his game. Mm. He always seemed to be uh, influential within the game, which is is quite hard in centre half. Mm. Uh, considering the attack and talent that is in front here, but I believe uh, in this particular fixture, it must be so difficult for the players uh, to play in front of the. Uh, if you're Barcelona playing at the Bernabeu or whether you're Real Madrid playing at the New Camp, it must be so difficult given that the hostile reception that <laughs> that you get mm. uh, as an individual. But for players uh, to step up. Uh, mm. I would I would give I would give Gerard Piquet a nod. Mm. Yeah, no, I I think that's a quality shot there actually. Quality yeah. shot. Um, Shankar, do you have any other ideas? Uh, 
that you yes, think um, yeah i could probably uh, same similar case like ronaldinho this player that i'm going to say is uh, not by any means a less talented player he's really really talented but i don't think he got uh, that kind of a um, front stage kind of appearance uh, from or, or recognition that he should have I'm, i could be wrong but that's that's one shout that came to my mind one name uh, it's guti mm. yeah the he he was he was serious talent but um you know that time they had ronaldo up front and figo and you know it was he was he was part of that galacticos team where it was um you know all the big names were part of the team and then he was there in the midfield handling all the stuff you know he was yeah. really good uh, in the midfield uh, you look at some of his videos even now some of the passes that he creates spaces and the passes that he puts through for ronaldo and you know Raul. Yeah. Wow. yeah that's a good shout i think i think again uh, going back to the point that i made earlier when i said this question itself is so good there's so many mm. open answers because you've got those players that who at the time influenced the game and it was yeah. sort of it was in the media and everyone re- remembered that time but it's sort of forgotten about now the ronaldinho's the rowls um yeah. th- that they, yeah well that that was gonna that was my next point yeah <laughs> You, you you get the players that uh, sort of live in the Messi and Ronaldo shadow, Ronaldinho, Raul, uh, maybe even Kaká, players like that who who, yep. who are big say on this fixture, uh, but don't really get the recognition because now it's all about Messi and Ronaldo and that mm. and the the high profiles of them two players, and and then you've got the Macalellis that Yossi said, uh, the Gerard Piquets who, who often go underrated. Who step up in the uh, who step up in these fixtures and are absolutely crucial to them, and then there's even going back for me. Casillas was the my next one. Yeah, I was considering that highly. Yeah, and Victor Valdez. Yep. Who uh, both both of them had the limitations as goalkeepers, but again, in this fixture, the personalities, the uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, their leadership both shown. Uh, and that often goes unnoticed. Yeah, and and this uh, this guy Guti was the vice captain. Most people yeah. wouldn't notice yeah. that. <laughs> Raul yeah. was the captain. Guti was the vice captain of the team. So, you you have uh, people like Zidane, Ronaldo, Beckham, Carlos, Roberto Carlos, uh, and all the other Galacticos in the team. And then you know, then you have Guti, somebody in the midfield. <laughs> so yeah. There, that, like you said, the question is so good that you can come up with different people in it. You could have a whole podcast on it. To be fair, yeah, <laughs> yeah you could, you could. So, mentioned for Jonathan Woodgate in there, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, okay. Nah, less said the better. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, another good question would be uh, the worst place to play in this fixture. Oh, uh, we could have, <laughs> we could have a podcast on that as well. Oh man, we'll bring it up next time. <laughs> yeah, we can we, we can maybe bring this up in the part two. Yeah, okay. Yeah, when we, yeah, yeah when we look at the uh, scores and the players, how they did it, and then we can maybe mention a few names as well. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah there's, there's going to be a few. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I always just think I always think the players are the ones who don't. There's always someone of a higher profile next to them. Again, mm. I know, I know, I have to, I have to get this guy's name in because I thought Patrick Clavert, yep. as a player, it uh, was exceptional. But Rivaldo always seems to get that more publicity and the mm. higher profile, yeah. uh, and rightfully so because because uh, Rivaldo's talent. But uh, what Clavert done uh, in these games, he he was sort of like for me the first player. Uh, that I looked at, that it was sort of like a number. He was a number nine and a number ten combined in one. Mm. Oh, she went back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just uh, we had a few names put up. She went, so we had uh, who all were there? We we shout out um, Busquets. We did uh, Casillas, Ronaldinho, and PK. PK Guti. 
Mm. Okay. <laughs> we couldn't stick to one. Because the question was so good. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we, we were actually thinking of doing the worst players to have played in the fixtures, but we will save it for the second part that we'll release in a couple of weeks' time. When we look at the players who played in those fixtures, and then we'll go ahead from there for part two. Okay. Yep. Okay. Oh. All right. So, um, it was a pleasure talking to you guys uh, regarding the El Clasico, one of the biggest fixtures of the footballing world. So that was part one, you guys. So look out for part two coming out in a couple of weeks' time. Um, till then, see out. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, and it was a pleasure to join uh, on this discussion. So, yeah, oh, goodbye. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. listening, and enjoy talking to you boys. Yep. Yeah. See yeah, you mate. Soon. Go watch the football now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.